Hey, everybody, we are back for a special Friday late night edition of More Than the Title. I'm your host, Jared Thomas, Thomas as usual, and I'm really excited about this, this episode today, guys. Thank you for everybody who's supporting the show. Thank you for all the love, the comments, the DMs. You guys really keep me going, and I'm so appreciative of the support. Like, I really mean that. And anybody who's rocking with us on a Friday night, I really, 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 really appreciate you. And um, so for anybody who's first time, first time people coming to the show, the whole premise of the show is just learning about the person behind the title, right? I'm a more, I'm a person who's in love with the journey. I'm in love with the story and I'm in love with the, you know, the, the challenges that people have overcame and what we can learn from that and extract from that. So today we've got a special, special guest today. He's, you know, has over 15 years of experience in the industry. He's held titles as managing director, management consultant, chairman of the board, and is currently the CEO and is the founder of Up Content. And if you guys don't know what Up Content is, it's one of the leading SaaS platforms that allows marketers to discover, collaborate, and really distribute third-party content that drives brand loyalty and sales. So let's let's welcome our special guest today, Scott Rogerson. How are you, brother? I'm doing great, Jared. I thought, you know, we've already been chatting for 10 minutes. I feel like we're just rolling into the next thing, except I would like to be on that Sea-Doo. That looked like a pretty good good bit on the intro there. Yeah, yeah. no, season two, I definitely got to get you on there, man. But um, like you said, everybody listening, we already had, was having a great conversation in the green room, um, and we're going to keep going. But I would love to, to start from the beginning, Scott. Like, I would love to hear about how did you get into to tech and, you know, where did that love from for business and kind of what were your upbringing, how you led into that? Yeah, so I think a lot of it started way back early days. Uh, my first internship was in the IT support services for a law firm, which was, mm-hmm. you know, 15-year-old kid walking in, needed to be shirt and tie, right? Looked like yeah. you belonged there when you obviously did not belong there. <laughs> helping, helping these, you know, associates and partners get new computers going, make sure that their internet worked. And one of the things you learn really quickly there is customer service and often the disconnect from these extremely smart people in how to do something that maybe if you've done it eight times, feel like should be extremely simple to do uh, in connecting to the internet. You know, how do I find this file? All that stuff. So I was fascinated of why that disconnect was happening. You know, fast forward, went to school for information systems management, which is not, you know, a computer science type program. It was more about the business side of technology and trying to be that liaison between the true technologists in the organization and the true business people in the organization and be that translator between those two, which was really fascinating to me. As you mentioned, did consulting for a while. First role was a information technology auditor, which sounds awful, but was actually (laughs) really awesome uh, coming out of school. Because you learned every process, every system, every data point in a company and realized that those last four years, you knew nothing (laughs) as it related to how the businesses actually worked in real life. You know, you knew the strategy, you knew in theory how things should work. But when you start going into an organization and actually asking the right questions, learning about the pain, learning about the problems trying to come up with creative, budget-friendly ways to solve those problems so they could meet regulatory requirements. Yeah, That's where the passion for consulting and problem-solving, problem identification came from. I went and moved into running a marketing agency that was wholly focused on the execution of content marketing strategies. So yeah. we weren't doing the Don Draper really cool, sexy stuff. Yeah. We were the people who came in after 
all the confetti was cleaned up off the floor and they had announced their new brand and their new colors. And then the CMO turned and was like, how do we actually do this? How do we make money out of this? Yeah. I don't have the team. That was our team. Uh, and then it was from there that kind of the, the streams came back together when we were realizing that obviously in a marketing agency world, margins are not the thickest uh, in terms of trying to find ways to be profitable in providing those services. So we needed to be efficient and effective. Exactly. And that was where the idea of up content came from was actually as a way to support our team. And it kind of snowballed from there. Uh, and then two years later, we spun it out into its own organization. That was back in 2017. And we've been grinding away since then. That, that's an amazing story. And it's kind of similar to the Hootsuite story, right? Very, yes. very similar. Yes. Like, that's insane. I, I did not yeah. know. Well, and as you and I mentioned right before, because we were in the agency world, mm -hmm. a lot of our team was utilizing Hootsuite at the time. Mm -hmm. And so when we wanted to create this technology, we had created all the back end, you know, the discovery engine. I put in some keywords and it's going to help me find not just go out and search and find articles, but find the right articles, match my criteria over the right time period. Yeah. But it was ugly as heck, right? And what we were trying to present to our team to use this, it was all hot keys and looked just awful. Uh, and so we were like, we need to find a better way so that our team can actually use these results to help our clients. Makes sense. Social was an important piece, obviously, of third-party content, still is, not the only piece anymore of how best to use that. And most of our team was using Hootsuite. So we were like, oh, let's see if there's a way to get this thing in that thing because that's what that team's already using. So I like to think about kind of Hootsuite almost as our first love, right? That was way back when, when we first integrated, we are like app 185 or something yeah. and have continued to be partners with Hootsuite. We've loved the partnership with Hootsuite and it's only continuing to grow. So that's that's brilliant. I, I, I want to I'm going to go into the partnership piece in a second, man. But I would love to know and go deeper into what, what you started the agency for content marketing. Where did the love for content marketing come from from you? When, what was the thing that was like, man, this is what I want to do every day and this is what I want to help marketers up level at? Yeah, it was interesting. So the, the agency actually was like a six person firm before I got there and we grew it to about okay. 20 or so people before we spun out up content. But it actually existed because the person who founded it created a technology that supported property managers for multifamily you know, apartment buildings. And they were supporting like the lease market making tool was what the, the software was doing. I have an apartment, how much yeah. should I be charging? What should the rent be? They were providing a lot of the data to solve that. And one of the things that that founder had found out when he was going and talking with a lot of these multifamily property owners or property managers was, they had nothing from a digital marketing standpoint. So yeah. they would find the right price, but they would have no way to get the message out there, no way to build that audience, no way to show that this was a good place to live beyond just fighting on rent. And one of, and as any founder, needed to find a way to make cash flow happen yeah. quickly and said, well, how about we support you in your social media strategy? And that ended up becoming the beginnings of this agency when he sold the software business, he went with that business. Wow. And then there was this kind of orphan group of six or so people. And he and I were talking at the time. And he was like, I don't know what to do with this group. Like, it's, it's pretty good. I think it could be better. I haven't really yeah. been paying too much attention because I was focused on the, the software side. And I was like, well, maybe I should 
take it on. And he's like, yeah, if you want to, like, whatever, you know, I was, I didn't know what to do with it. So that's, that's what happened. That was in like 2014, I believe when that occurred. And, um, so what I liked about it was that it felt like a consulting project almost in itself. But one of the things, as much as I love the consulting, you never really knew if what you said had any value whatsoever when you're doing <laughs> consulting, right? Because That's so real. You, you come up with really great ideas and you're excited and the client's excited. And those are probably the right ideas at that moment in time. But two days later, the world is way different. And so, and you're not there anymore. Yeah. So you try to equip that team with, if this happens, do that. And if that happens, go over there. And if this happens, break the glass and light the whole thing on fire. But you're not there to prove that that was worth their money, worth their time. And so one of the things I liked about moving into an organization was that I always said, like, let me get dirt under my fingernails again, versus just being kind of the clean person who could walk in and then swoop out. Uh, and so it, that was a project, but then we were also helping solve real problems for organizations because they just didn't know how to put those things together. That's what got me excited. And then obviously the siren song of technology kind of pulled me back away, yeah. but still working to solve these same problems. So I, I love that story. And I mean, what I do love about the story is that you was at the right place at the right time and you also had the right relationship at the right time, mm-hmm. right? And then you also said, you know what? I don't care. Let me step in here and do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So- that was a that was a weird dump, right? Especially talking to my wife, at, you know, hey, here's what I'm going to do, you know, going from consulting. <laughs> that was an interesting one. Uh, it's like led with we don't have to move. So that was like the, you know, the the positivity sandwich. We don't have to move. I'm leaving consulting and going to a six-person marketing agency that we don't know what we're going to do with. Not so positive part. And then end with positivity, but it's going to be okay. <laughs> and that's all I had for that last positivity part. Nothing really of any merit. Just trust me, it'll be okay. Uh, so, yeah, there was a lot of interesting discussions um, that were had at that time. Uh, but it starts with support at home, right, as, as you know, to actually go out and do, do these things. You need that in order to feel like Superman and take on a challenge like that. Because I was going to ask you that. Like, what made you want to just, just take on the challenge, right? Because most people, and that's what... And all of my conversations with a lot of people that I interview, right? And I feel like those are the that's the separating thing, right? If somebody mm-hmm. had the idea and somebody executed, and somebody yeah. had the idea and said it was impossible, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's the two different people in this world, right? And those are the yeah. ones that are successful. So for you and to see what you've done after that, right? It only makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I love I love hearing that, man. And then let, let's talk about the early days of, of up content, man, because I yeah. I'm I'm a person who's been in marketing and sales, right? So I've sold every single facet of marketing, whether it was SEO, programmatic display. I've been on the agency side. I've been at Con Lions. I've been at Social Listening. I'm at Hootsuite yeah. now. So I've been all over the place, right? So the thing that they used to tell me when I was interviewing in places and stuff like that was that you only been at these places one year, two years, you know, things like that. But now it's all come together and matched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now yeah. I'm such a dangerous seller, right? So like what I'm thinking about, I would love to create a technology. I'm always thinking about that. My entrepreneurial burn, you know, fire is burning. But yeah. I want to think about like, how do I go all in and find the right dev team? Find, yeah. Make sure I'm solving the right problem, doing those type of things. So I would love to know what was those early days like and what were some of those challenges when you first got, you know, got it off the ground? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, we had a great team. Well, Team meaning like one or two other people, right, from the early days that yeah. were 
with us in that process. But, and, and as amazing as they were, what's really hard, we didn't have a co-founder. Uh, so I wasn't blessed with having a co-founder. And that's a big difference from a early employee versus a co-founder. It's a yep. very different mindset um, so, where you know, they could leave at any moment and probably should have left at any moment, right? Because there were more lucrative opportunities, no doubt, for them outside of what they were doing at UpContent. So there's definitely commitment from those employees and from those team members. And even our current team certainly is an amazingly skilled team and probably could go find a higher paying job whenever they wanted to. So there's definitely commitment and passion, but it's just different than if you are truly all in, meaning that like you're playing the violin as the ship's going down, you're not jumping off no matter what. That's a different mindset, even if you don't want it to be. As yeah. a person who joined the organization, is getting the paycheck, you know, and maybe has some equity at best, but they're not the ones who are going out to investors and taking money from other people who have trusted in you that you're going to bring them more money at some point in the future. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's just different. And so that's the hard part, I think, is trying to understand the balance because they're still early team members. So you want to make sure that they're along and, and they feel like they're part of it. But you also don't want to freak them out because different people have different tolerances for scary stuff. And as you said, in those early days, everything is scary and so, everything is amazing at the same yeah. time. Right? Like yeah, I remember when we first launched and actually had like the ability for someone to put in their credit card and pay us money. Like not a lot of money. We're talking like five bucks, right? Yeah. But I remember when we got that first $5 payment, oh, man. I was ready to like buy steaks for everyone. I didn't have any <laughs> money to buy steaks for everyone, but I wanted to. Like it was the most exciting thing ever, right? <laughs> and then I also, even today, right, if we lose a customer, Mm-hmm. Even if it's like for a reason that's not controllable by us, it is personally painful when that occurs, right? And even if it's a $5 or $15 now is our kind of lowest tier price, that hurts uh, because we want everyone to get the value that they were expecting to get. And I think that's the main difference. And that also becomes the challenge is now people are saying, hey, Jared, I'm going to give you either $5 to utilize your tool that I could have spent elsewhere. I could have spent it getting my kid a cheeseburger and the joy that that kid would have had. But instead, I'm going to give it to you for your software for this month. Yeah. Or the person who's getting you a $50,000 or $100,000 check, especially if it's their personal money that they've worked really hard to accrue. And they're saying, rather than putting it in the stock market, I'm going to give it to you. And I believe in you. And I know that five years from now, you're going to give me three times that amount or five times that amount or 10 times that amount. Yeah. And I have faith in you. That's a lot That's to take lot. on. Um, so that economy in this market and everything, right. is only yeah. going to be highlighted more. Right. But that's what you said. Yes. And we were talking about this offline. I would love to get into that too. Right. Like, I think that's the problem with SaaS 
It's one thing to sell the technology, right? But it's another thing to actually up-level the customer and actually show them how this tool is going to impact your life in that three, four, five-year span and then having the relationship and then making sure they're their expert in that. There's so much noise. I think right now, the average, what is the average tech stack in a place? Like right now, you've got Sales Loft, you've got Zoom Info, you've got... Yeah, you know, Scott Brinker, whose stuff I love, right? I think he came out with something recently. Yeah, and it was like, I'm going to misquote this. It was somewhere between like 25 and like 35 marketing tools that the average marketing org is using that may only have five people in the organization, but they have 30 different subscriptions, right, that they're cobbling together to create whatever marketing stack they think is going to be effective for them or revenue stack they think is going to be effective. It is crazy right now. It is. is. And no revenue or tech stack is built the same. So that's 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 the challenging part as as an employee, right? So like you you go there, you learn this, you do this, you go to another place, they're using HubSpot versus Salesforce, you're using outreach versus sales law, I mean, versus sales law, all those different things, right? And all those different technologies still working on the job and figure out what the, you know, who the MVPs are, who your personas are, what kind of messaging should I come up with? Do I got to come up with this crazy email? And that's what drove me crazy. <laughs> That's what drove me I crazy. Totally and I, said, I was done, man. I said, I can't take it no more. <laughs> I have good years. I have bad years. I have a yeah. great quarter where I'm not, man, I have a terrible quarter where I'm not. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> like, yeah. And it, it kills your psyche, man. And I was just like, man, how do I scale relationships? Because once I meet people, man, I'm like, I'm a genuine person. You know, I'm a good yep. dude. Father, you know, just like yourself, man. So I'm just like, how do I scale that? And if I could just break the sales barrier down and make people want to connect with me on a level, and it wasn't the SEO and the content strategy stuff, you know what took off for me, man? It was, I was Jared Thomas. I was 22 years old working at Starbucks, man. I was making minimum wage, bro. And like, look at today, man, I'm talking to yourself, mm-hmm. CEO of a multi-million dollar SaaS company, which is amazing to me, right? So that's why I love this type of content. You know exactly. what I mean? Well, I think you said it. It's it's real, right? And that's, that's what people want now. That's what really that's cuts it. through everything. And you know, we were talking about SaaS. We were talking about this earlier. One of the blessings, as it relates to relationships with SaaS, is that it can keep on going, right? Whereas if I have a great relationship with you and I'm selling you a car, I may only be able to monetize that relationship so many times right, over the course yeah. of ten years or something like that. And yeah, you could refer people to me. And maybe that's better, but it's not like SaaS where I get kind of continuous affirmation that the relationship is strong because you have to renew yes. every month or every yeah. year with us, yeah. right? And I need to keep being disciplined and honest to our relationship that I'm going to continue to give you value each and every day you log into that tool to yes. get something out of it. That's and that's deal. a blessing and a curse, right? And I think yeah. it's a blessing if you take it from that mindset and you look at your customer base and like these are all the people who are sticking with me that we're giving yeah. some value to right and yeah. the steak dinner buying ring the bell whatever the heck everybody does these days yeah i'm sure you felt the same way as yeah. hey jared i was utilizing i worked with you when i was at company abc i've since left that company yeah. i'm at company def now and i want to bring you in because i loved working with you so much right exactly you didn't do anything at that moment to get that person but it's the accumulation of all of the value that you've provided to that person that they're willing early in on the job when everyone's still trying to figure out if they're worth their salt at all yeah. to bring in you knowing that you're going to come in and try to 
take budget out of that organization. Yeah. That says a ton. Ton. Right. And that is the, yeah. that is the best possible thing that sure. I've found. To, and that's like the drug, right, for that to occur uh, for me. Cheers, man. And that's and it all goes back to relationships. And I'll tell you a quick one, too, man. Like, so those agency I was at before coming to Hootsuite, the person who introduced me to the founder, I was actually was my boss at another place. So we were at a SaaS SEO company, right? Got sold. I was like the, the rookie of the year. I was coming in hot. I'm nice, selling everything. Nice. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Next thing you know, we're sold to a German company. I'm like, what the heck? And then now I'm basically placed at another place. I had to, my, I had my four-year-old, he was just born. Um, and I'm flying back and forth on the first week he was born to, to Florida every week, bro. So a full week, this is my girlfriend's first time having a kid. I'm coming back on the weekends, flying back on the red eye for Monday meetings. Did that Uh, long story short, six months later, they let me go. Right. And so the VP saw that like my friend, um, saw that and said, man, if I ever get opportunity, man, I'm going to, I'm going to get you a year and a half passed, man. I had just got rid of, uh, just got laid off from a, a, another SaaS platform. Yeah. He called me two weeks later, boom, JT, I got a perfect spot for you. I know the founder. And if that I wouldn't awesome. have went to that agency, I wouldn't have done the personal branding. If I wouldn't have done the personal branding, it wouldn't have changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and that's that, right. And I'm sure even a year and a half, that year and a half that went by, that probably came to your mind. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that guy ever meant it. You know, like I love him, great guy, but I'm not sure. It's been a year and a half, you know, and what's going on? And you just, it's layers of paint in those relationships, right? Like, don't burn that. It's gonna you keep on putting those pennies into that relationship. It'll become something over time, and that's a great example. That's that it, because that's because yeah. people. I think people look at relationships. It's one thing to look at relationships, and a lot of salespeople do this. They look at relationships in a very short term. Yeah, a very short yeah. mind when it comes to relationships. Well, their quotas are short term, Jared. Yeah, they are. But then <laughs> also, yeah, there it is. That is true. But like that's why I went to account management. But at the end of yeah. the day, I just it's disingenuous if I'm reaching out to you, Scott, totally. just because I want to hit my quota and totally. it, it kind of. After sale, I'd rather the bigger things, right? If me and you go out to drink, me and you go out to have a good time, we're doing this podcast, you invite me to yours next time, you're in the city, you're like, man, yeah. let's go to a rooftop, let's talk Absolutely. big. You know I know that. And by the 10th, 11th, 12th touch, who knows where our paths cross? Yep. That's yep. what I get excited about because I don't know what's going to happen. And as long as you're genuine and you're just doing the right things, man, That's it's right. always going to be reciprocated. So like, you Absolutely. can't measure this stuff, but I know it's impactful. So that's how yep. I look at relationships. People say, how, how do you judge your LinkedIn, judging on follows and likes. I like the follows because it gives sure. me a big opportunity to make impact. That's the word. I judge myself exactly right. on how many yep. people are reaching out of my DM. JT, can I call you at seven o'clock on a Thursday, man? Are you busy? No, I've got time for you, man. You know yep. what I mean? Like, yep. and that's what happens. And that's how you get the love, man. And, and that's what's happened, man. So I'm, I'm very blessed and fortunate for people like you, man, and everybody I've met. Yeah, I'm yeah. Doing it. No, that, that you nailed it. And that opportunity statement, I think is, you know, you're just kind of setting the stage, right? You're not going on to LinkedIn and being like, all right, I'm going to close three deals on LinkedIn today. Like that's not how it no. works. Right. And there, I think there's too many, like you said, too many philosophies, too many mindsets that are even back on the content side. Why yeah. would I share something that somebody else wrote? You yes. know, I'm just going to push my own stuff all the time because I want that stuff sells. So I'm just going to, just like the old smile and dial, right? If I call 100 people and I only get 1% of them to close, then I got my one person today and I'm going to move on you know, to the next thing. If yeah. I share my own promotional thing and share my pricing 50 times, at some point, someone is going to bite on that. Like, yes. okay, but what about all those people who didn't bite, right? Exactly. who are now ticked off at you 
because all you do is share promotional garbage all day on your profile. Like, and that's the same. And we all think about this on the marketing side, same on like website conversions, you know, those, those websites that will like put you in a locked room and there's, for some reason, there's no way out of that website until you purchase something. Like, yeah, maybe you trick someone into making a purchase. But what about all those people who are finally figured out their way out because they had to shut down their computer or like, you know, put lead pipes around it to get off of your website? Yes. They're probably not going to be the ones who come back to you when they do have that right time to sell, as you had mentioned early yes. on. Right? They're ready to sell when or they're ready to buy when they're ready to buy. That's it. You just need to be top of mind and help them understand what their problem really is. You can certainly accelerate their readiness to buy yes. by making yeah. them feel more comfortable in understanding the problem, but you're not going to force them to buy. And nope. particularly in SaaS, to our point, if you force me to buy now, maybe you got my 95 bucks right today. Like, yes. good for you. I am canceling as soon as I wake up tomorrow morning because I realize I should never have made that purchase. And then all that work you did is now worthless, right? Mm-hmm. And not only have you lost the next 95, but you've lost me. And if I talk to anybody else about that product, I'm going to say, oh, man, stay away from that guy, right? You yes. got me to spend 95 bucks and I didn't plan on it. And $95 is not going to make or break your company, but that relationship could. Thanks. Preach, man. Preach. And that's that's going to be a clip, man. I'm letting you know right now. That's a clip because you're required, man. As a salesperson, and that's what I think about all the time. So when I started the personal branding stuff, people said I was crazy. You just got to do the, the emails and all that stuff. But it's what you said. If I send mm-hmm. a thousand emails out, I'm not thinking about the three people that I got to convert. I'm thinking about the 997 people that said, yes. this was a terrible ass email, Jared. I don't like yeah. I don't like your messaging. Yeah. Your content yeah. sucks, Jared, or whatever the yeah. case may be. And you can't measure that. So that's what I've always said. And that's why I think the, the revolution of sales, right? I think we should yeah. be going away from SDR stuff and stay going crushing the phones and doing all of that stuff. But I would be up-leveling them on how to create their own content and how to become yes. a thought leader and then being strategic in the way they outreach. Like yep. if you do that, like I would do crazy stuff in the office, man. I would have like a camera going like the, like the office show. I would have an office show in the office. So when you see my SDR, Sharon, or you see Jerry, the salesperson, you see Scott, the CEO in the office, interacting with the team, like that level of of connectivity is what's going to take and accelerate sales. And I feel like that's where sales is going. But I would love to know, like, what do you think is the future of sales? And like, what gets you excited uh, about marketing right now? I I think what I'm most excited about is, and I've said this before, but there's this, conversation that's been going on for a long time about content being king, right? And content, 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 which is very true, right? Content is extremely important, but I think historically, and this was true when I was in consulting as well, no one really cared who you were. It was just who you worked for, right? So if you were from ENY, that meant you were a certain type of person. If you were, if you worked at IBM, you were a certain type of person. I don't really care about Scott. I want three people from IBM and I want two people from ENY, right? You were just kind of a a thing That's it. that had a label Google, to go Amazon, do it. All of them are like the ex-Googlers, yeah. ex-Amazonians. Yeah. yeah. And the content came down from the brand as well, right? It kind of bypassed the person or the person was a conduit to present the content, but it wasn't that person's content. No one believed that this, you know, 20-year-old guy was writing all this stuff about global risk and compliance strategy, even if I did share it on my social network. Like, I don't get any sort of like, wow, Scott really knows what he's talking about. It's just 
oh, he works for this company. And that company wrote that thing, and they probably told him to share it. And so exactly. he did. That doesn't tell me anything about you beyond who you work for, which I already knew. So I think what I'm most excited about is what's coming to the forefront now is the personal brands. Yes. And the company is taking the supporting cast role versus yes. standing in front of all the people. And so I love talking to organizations who are saying, we've got a ton of great people. We need to make sure more people know about how many great people we have. Exactly. And we want to do everything we can to showcase how great our team is, how great our sales team is at solving problems, how great our ops team is, how great our support team is. And the convergence of HR strategy and marketing strategy and sales strategy yes. is where we're just at the beginning of oh, that man, stuff. So excited. Uh, and that's what I get really excited about is when, and we were just talking about this before as well, when you look at the organization and they've got individuals like yourself, right, who are crushing it on the content and the branding side. And there's probably a hundred, maybe more people inside of the organization who are looking at you and being like, man, if I could do that, right? Yeah. This would be my, my own business. My own personal book would, would grow immensely. But I don't know. I don't think I've got the skills. I don't know how to do it. I'm not ready to take that execution jump that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. I have some good ideas. How do I get started, right? And how they can get started is by make, the organization making it to utilize what other people are doing and help them build their own confidence in themselves by making it easy for them to take that first step. So exactly. telling everybody, right, to yep. create their own podcast, that's hard. Like, it, that is hard to do. Yes, uh, and right. hard to do consistently, right? As you know, it's not something that you just like wake up one day and like, oh, I'm going to start a podcast and do you it well. It. You got to love it. They could share your clips, right? And get that through osmosis that, hey, I also work with this guy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh or share things that are interesting to them and make it easy for them to do that, to build their brand. So that's what I think I get excited about is, yeah. you know, Susan and Tom and Jarrett and Ben and Jamie having their own brands and people are going to work and want to work with those individuals. And now the organization is trying to build a portfolio of great people versus the that's other side, that's uh, which is about, really cool. You, you hit the nail on the head, brother. And, and, I'll tell you from my point of view, man, when I first came in, so this is my first time coming into an organization with the personal brand. I was like, yeah. you know, 15 person, small organization. Now yeah. I'm going to an organization with 1700 people, man. And I'll tell you from day one, man, it was, the love was real, man. Like from just people in the organization, like, I love what you're doing, man. I want to, I want to do this, man. Can we have a talk afterwards? Or mm -hmm. I was shy. I didn't want to, I didn't want, I didn't know I could wear my hat and be comfortable. I didn't know yeah. I can do that. You know, I didn't know I can, you know, I, I'm from, uh, you know, ethnic background. I'm a, I was afraid to tell my story and mm. I'm telling my story. Now I got five, 10,000 views, Jared. Now like I'm ready to go. And you know what yeah. I mean? That's what, yeah. that's what that's excites awesome. me, brother. You know what I mean? I, awesome. like, I love doing that because I know, I know how it made me feel, man. Like when the yep. first time I've got, like I got a shout out from Van Jones, man. I I, I broke down awesome. and cried, bro, man. I was That's like, like awesome. was well, that old that old cartoon, right? That had the CFO and the COO talk or CEO talking, right? Yep. And you know the CFO was saying, well, what if we train our people and they leave? And the CEO said, what if yep. we don't and they stay? Right? It's the same thing okay. now, but from the personal branding side, because you hear that a lot from organizations who maybe haven't 
gotten all the way through the book yet. You know, they're just reading the first few chapters. Someone told them, hey, you should support personal branding. And they're like, wait a second. But if I make Jarrett look really good and I support him, isn't he going to get a bunch of offers from other organizations? And the answer is yes. And you better darn well hope he does. Right. Because if he does and you're the organization, you're the employer that's supporting him and doing all those things, he's going to realize that if he leaves, he will likely lose all that support. And therefore, he's actually way stickier to you as an organization by you helping him look amazing than if you tried to hide him in the back corner somewhere. And I think that's the shift that is happening right now. Whereas before it was very much, don't talk to my people. Like you can't hire them. Don't ever talk to them. They're doing their own thing. I don't even want you to know that they work for me. And now it's look at all the great people that work for me. Everyone go out and say how great you are. I want to support you in being awesome. And if you end up choosing somewhere better that you think is better for you, awesome. Like I hope you do great. Uh, And that was always the consulting view, right? Like, I was at Protivity, and one of the goals of Protivity was to build people up, let them go internal to accounting departments, and then hire Protivity as their auditing firm. That was a strategy. The goal wasn't always to be everyone to stay at that firm forever. And it should now be the same beyond consulting. It should be the same for every organization because of the impact of relationships. Absolutely. You you hit the nail on the head, Scott. And I, I would love to have this conversation if you got time for this. Right? Yeah. I'm love. I'm do loving it. this conversation. I don't even know what it is, but I'm in. Whatever it is, let's do it. I, I love. I love where we're going with personal branding. As you, as a CEO, I would love to hear you're taking you as a chairman of the board. Right? How do you retain somebody like myself? So the, what what I'm dealing with right now, and I'm just going to be very transparent. I want people who are doing well, it's late thing. night, so we can say it all right now. No, we're no, like past I, the I'm being honest. Censoring area. Because yeah. I, I I tell people all the time, man. It's like it's like paving the road while you drive. This is chapter one of the book. And I've never been in a space where I'm like, wow, I may have influence. I may have great mm-hmm. relationships. You don't, I look back and say, wow. But if I'm generating 300, 400, 500,000 views, take myself out of it, right? Yep. And you're doing that for organization, the attribution. How many people are raising their hand and putting in an application um, because they saw your content? How many people yep. are requesting a demo because they saw your content? How is that raising the employee retention and sentiment of the internal employees? All those things that you can't measure yeah. How do you quantify that? Yeah. So that's the thing. So it's like, so if you're doing all of those things. You're doing a podcast. You're doing this. You're hitting quota. You're doing all of those right things. You're helping people out. But what is that? How do you, you know what I mean? Because at some yeah. point as that person, you're like, you know, yeah. I'm still in a structure. What else is out there? Yeah, 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 I'm still in a structure. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not able to do my own thing. If I have this great idea for the organization to do X, Y, Z or create a new revenue stream, I've got yeah. to go through those layers. And yeah. I'm at the point now is like, I'm just, I don't know. Like, how do I charge it in the next go around or whatever the case may be, right? Yeah. Like, they're doing whatever for referrals and stuff like that. Yeah. How do you retain yeah. that person? But how do you have that conversation without coming off like a jerk? Yeah, I think it's, it's tough, right? And I think it kind of ties to the LinkedIn discussion we were talking yeah. about where you yeah. can't measure everything you're doing on that platform in order to create your own beautiful report card. Like yeah. some of these things are, you know, the whole old adage, right? Like you don't eat the fruit at the same time you plant the seed. You, you can't do that, right? So you got to wait for that to occur. And so I think part of it is making sure that the people who are around you realize 
the seeds that you're planting and what's starting to grow and are willing to help you water those seeds, right? So if it's just like that. a, hey, that. Jared, like, yeah, you, you have your own thing. That's cool. Like, we support you. Like, you know, do whatever you need to do at nine o'clock at night after hours, <laughs> but make sure you're not doing it, you know, during the workday because I need you working during the workday. If it's not being seen as work, I think that's an issue. And that's probably something that should be talked about, right? Because it's not like you are talking about things that don't relate to the conversations you're having with, with your prospects, with your relationships. It would be different if you had a podcast or you had conversations around something totally irrelevant to what you're talking about during the daytime, right? So if you're going to go and do a soccer podcast, like, yeah, I can see why people yeah. aren't like super keen that you'd be doing that at like 1 p.m. on a Tuesday, you know? Like you should probably be doing other stuff, right? But if you're doing it and the guests you're having, which are the ones you've been having, are people who can be influential relationships to your current role yeah. and help to build the organization you're working for, uh, to give them even greater influence. Yeah. I think that the conversation probably is, look, I'm doing this stuff. I'm seeing some success personally out of this. I would like to align ourselves. And can I do this in a way, you know, could my organization, would you want the organization to be sponsoring, right? Not yeah. owning, sponsor it. Yeah. The podcast, right? And, have some opportunity or bring in more of those guests, those people who are on your team who aren't yet ready to do their own podcast. Hey, I'd be excited to give some of those people a chance on my, on my show as well to talk yeah. about their own views. And, and we talked about a couple members before jumping onto the call who I think would be awesome, right? And have really interesting views of the Seriously. world to join. Um, so I think that's the main piece is ensuring there's alignment there and even knowledge, right? It's a big organization, as you said. Yeah. So I think in a lot of cases, we always kind of feel like, oh, of course they know. They're just not saying anything. Right. But in a, they may not even know what's going on uh, at the levels that you want them to know what's going on. Is they're focusing on something else? And like, yeah, he's awesome. You know, so, so I think cool. it's working that way through and really understanding, like, here's what I'm doing. I'm coming to you proactively. Here's how I think it can be helpful to us as a whole, as a team, as a nest in accomplishing the goals that we have as a group. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I love you. So that would be, that would be the, the recommendation. And that's the same for, for me. We have a much smaller team to worry about, obviously, yeah. than, than what you're dealing with. So there's some benefits of that, but we also, there's some drawbacks on that. And so my view is always is let them go and do what they want to do. If that ends up having someone leave, like one of my most favorite employees from our early days she was fantastic that a lot of our marketing uh, yep. work, some of it we still utilize four years later is how good she was. Wow. She had this passion to become a life coach, right? And she started by talking to me directly saying, hey, I'm going to go and train for this. And as of right now, I'm expecting that a few years from now, I'm probably going to want to go and do this full time, but I'm committed to up content between now and then. But I have a good relationship with you, so I'm just going to tell you, 18 months from now, I'm probably going to be leaving. And I was like, hey, 
way better than two weeks, right? Like, yeah. you know, thanks for telling me. Right. Now we can plan something. And that's ended up, you know, my hope, obviously, in the back of my mind was that she would change her mind over the next 18 months. She didn't end up changing her mind. She's awesome and doing what she loves to be doing and very successful at it. Love but it. I wouldn't change that for anything, right? Uh, because of what she gave to us in those early days and really helped us get through some tough times, helped us with messaging. And I wanted her to be successful doing what she wants to do. So I think if you believe you're in the right organization, if you believe all the relationships and all the love that you've been seeing, this is a good way to see if the proof is there in those conversations. Um, and not in a confrontational way, just like, a, hey, I'm doing some really cool stuff. We're having really great conversations with great people talking about things that align with what I'm trying to do on a daily basis. I have some ideas, but what do you think we could do with this asset that we've now nurtured? I think that's the way to approach it. And that's the thing, because sky's, sky's the limit. And I want to say, too, I love the team. The support I've been getting, I have gotten already, man, has been tremendous. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to say that, like, I, I was humbled. You know what I mean? I've got people mm-hmm. from, like, APAC and different countries that like, man, I come in, hey, Jared, like, let's set time. And, like, I yeah. love that stuff. because I love, I genuinely love to help people. Like, yeah. I don't care about yeah. it. I don't, I don't like the spotlight. I don't like recognition. I don't like none of that. I just want to help people and show somebody, man, you could do this stuff. I want to show people yeah. from the Bronx, you know, who are right up the block from me. I go to the store now. It's like, yo, JT, you're talking to the CEO of Title next week, man. Like, hugs. Yeah. And, like, you can do it, man. Yeah. You can do it. I well, just, you mentioned APAC, and there's some great members on, on your APAC team who have oh, done a lot man. of amazing work, personal branding. Absolutely. And have done it in a nice way that I think blends without biasing. Right. You're like, oh, wait a second. You're just a Hootsuite guy. Like, that's not the case. Right. It's an individual who is extremely smart, knows exactly what's going on in the world and can in an instant pick out whether or not the solution that he's offering is right for you and will also tell you when it's not. And uh, that's it. He's fantastic. Right. So that's kind of the all star person that. I think a lot of people should try to replicate where he is his own person. He has his own profile, his own persona. You know what you're getting when you talk to him. He also works for a great organization that has a great solution. So if it all fits together, why not? It's then done. then it's know? a, then it's a home run. It's a home yeah. run. But what you, like you said, that's what makes the best salespeople. And yes. I tell the people all the time, man, it's when I stop trying to sell to sell and then just stop, stop trying to convince people and just help people. Yep. Like you yep. just have to be a problem solver. Like, and when I really leaned into it of what I love to do, especially for the people, like, especially during the agency days. So if you reach out to me on LinkedIn and you've got a hundred K budget and you want to do an SEO campaign followed by a, you know, a camp, a content campaign for 18 months and whatever the case may be, I'm going to care. This is my name. <laughs> so I'm going to go hard. I'm going to yep. stay up late. <clears throat> I'm doing the right things. And then they're happy. And yep. then that's, and that's how it gets replicated. So wherever I go, it comes with me, man. And you show yep. that love. And that, that's what I love about sales, man. I love helping people, man. Going to rooftops. If I tell you, this, I've got some of my clients coming on. That's how it is, man. You know, like come that's on, the way to do it. one of them next week. That's and, the way to do it. Yeah. I mean, you're right. The hardest thing about sales is the calendar. That's if it. If there was no calendar, sales would be awesome. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you can just have conversations, make sure you're doing everything at the most appropriate time. And so finding a way to forget the calendar is what makes sales work. I love that line, man. I'm used, I'm still in that Scott and we're clipping that one Take too. It. Take it. Clipping that one too, brother. So man, I, I just want to say, I know it's late, man. I don't want to keep you too much longer, brother, but I just want to say right. 
this was a great conversation, man. Like I didn't even realize it was 40 something minutes. <laughs> we just yeah, had to put that stuff down. <laughs> yeah, man. But this was amazing, Scott. Uh, for our first conversation, brother, like I was a fan from afar. I'm a bigger fan now. Thank you for taking time out to just join the show, man. And and I know we're going to we're gonna keep conversations and keep in touch, awesome. man. So that's what I, I love. love it. Yeah. Jared, it's been an honor. Good stuff, man. And uh, we're going to be rooting for you always. Let us know. Let me know if I can ever assist. Uh, but let's keep that relationship going. No, for sure, man. I'm going to send you my number afterwards, man. And let's do something in the summer. I'm in New York City, man. Let's do something, please. And we'll Perfect. get, we'll get the other guy who we're talking about before. I'm actually shot. That sounds him. great. Even better. Yes, let's do it, man. So thank you, everybody, for watching for another great episode more than the title. Next week, we've got Justin Leslie, who's the director of social media at Hard Rock International. And everybody who knows me, that's, that's one of my boys. And I love Hard Rock AC. I'm a gambler. Please give me a free room, guys. Sponsor me. <laughs> no, but uh, all seriousness, guys, thank you for all the love. Um, it's been a pleasure. And we'll see you guys next week in another episode of More Than the Title. Much love.